Talk. Welcome to Cracking One Open with Mike <laughs> and Elise. And on this episode, as promised, we're getting festy. Prost. Prost. Well, we're not drinking yet, but we will. Tiki, tiki, tiki. Oi, oi, oi. Tiki, 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 tiki. Oi, there, oi, there we go. Tiki, yeah. tiki, tiki, tiki. Oi, oi, oi. We do an Oktoberfest beer. Yeah. One Oktoberfest beer. We're not doing Just a six one. pack. Just one. For now. We might do something a little more themed in a couple of weeks. Yes. And then we got our pumpkin episode coming soon as well. Uh-huh. Our annual pumpkin episode. There's so yes. many pumpkin beers. We could probably do a, a new pumpkin pumpkin six pack every every year. I hope so. I'm just gonna have the, to yeah, I'm gonna have to keep a log winners. of yeah. Or keep the winners and kick out. Yeah, keep like the best two from the previous year or something, or the best one from the previous year, and then try to find a couple new ones. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. What are we drinking today? Well, this week we are drinking Oktoberfest, obviously, <laughs> a Mars and Lager from Left Hand Brewing, uh, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. Ooh. So we probably should have talked about this before we started recording, but do you want to cover the history first and then I'll get into the brewery itself, the nitpicky? Yeah, sure. So we're double teaming this episode, oh, guys. Oh, yeah. So Oktoberfest is not just a German festival. It's specifically a festival in Munich, Germany. Oh. That is where it started. That is the main Oktoberfest. Other places in Germany have festivals around the same time. Mm-hmm. But other than a couple of them, they're not called Oktoberfest. Interesting. Oktoberfest is specifically for the one in Munich, which hmm. is huge. I can only uh, imagine. In Germany. It started in October 1810. Wow. Specifically October 12th, 1810. In celebration oh, of the marriage. Oh, day before my birthday. <laughs> like 100 years early. Like 100 years, 177 years early, baby. <laughs> Uh, in celebration of the marriage of the crown, Prince of Bavaria, who later became known as King Louis I, to Princess Therese von Fuck, uh, von <laughs> Session Hildeburghausen. I like von Fuck. But- <laughs> yeah, I should have I should have tried to pronounce these names beforehand. Festival concluded five days later with a horse race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the following year, the race was combined with an agricultural fair. And every year after that, it kind of got bigger and bigger. In 1818, food and drinks were being served. And basically, when it started in 1810, the prince and princess were just like, or the uh, the king at this, or no, he became the king. So the prince and princess were just like, we want all of Munich to just celebrate mm-hmm. with us for our marriage. So they made Aww. a huge deal of it. And then every year it became more and more and more and more. I actually really like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime in the 19th century, late 19th, it became mostly all about beer. Uh, and there were about seven or eight. They're huge beer companies. Who I'm not going to try to pronounce that. I knew right from the start. I'm not yeah. going to try to pronounce yeah. this. <laughs> but they created these beer tents and beer. At first, they were just beer kind of booths that mm-hmm. you would go to and get beer. And then by the late 18th century or the late 19th century, it became untenable. The fa- The fair was so big at that point, they could no longer handle just doing it in beer carts. So they created these big beer halls. Like you see, like when everyone has German beer halls, it's, it's usually created out of this, the things they create in Munich for Oktoberfest. Oh, so like the long, like tables, the like long the community tents with table. the tables yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But these tents over time um, were, were built so well that they seem like permanent structures. 
Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're taken down at the end of the festival and put back up. Mm-hmm. But if you see them, you would be like, this is like a mall food court. This is not yeah. a tent. <laughs> there's like walls and bathrooms and, and they're well kept and there's floors and lighting and all this kind of stuff. It's crazy. So how long does the celebration go on for? It's, so it must like. The celebration starts the third Saturday of September. Okay. Uh, which I believe is when Two Roads Always is. Yeah. Okay. I didn't uh, know there was like a meaning behind like, that. So Two Roads date is legit. Okay. And then it ends the first Sunday of October or the third of October, whichever is later. <laughs> so they showed a calendar where the 7th of October was later that year. Let the party go So on. they're like, yeah, it's, it's going to keep going. So it goes for a while. Yeah. The first. That's, that's the, a good like. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. The second week is known as Italy week. What? Because a ton of Italian tourists come to Oktoberfest during that time oh. and they drive and they park RVs and stuff like that. Oh my God. So it becomes, it becomes a huge like Italian presence at the fair that during that week. <laughs> but I guess you start pouring beer at 12 o'clock. Okay. Yep. Which is when Oktoberfest starts at two roads. But people line up at 9 a.m. or sure earlier. they do. Uh, to get into the festival, to get the beer halls, to get a good table or seat. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, a lot of the tables or seats are reserved. So you have to place a reservation. I was watching one video from some girl from Germany who re- recommended you place your reservation the February or January before or earlier Holy for that shit. next year. That's But nuts. people will line up and then run to go get a seat at their favorite beer hall. Um, whichever one it is so they all sit together but she did say that everybody's really nice in uh during oktoberfest and then a lot of times people will leave and come back to the table or they'll have space because people are left and uh-huh. if you ask hey can i sit at your table people be like yeah 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 sure why not okay uh the tents are very are themed differently so some of the traditional and some are a little less traditional mm-hmm. in general it's tradition for you to dress up as you know in the different clothing. The, like the milkmaiden kind of like. The typical German clothes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The drundles or whatever they call them. Durndl. Durgle. And I guess if you're a tourist, you don't have to do it. But most Germans, you know, dress up for mm-hmm. it. And there are like traditional beer halls. So some of the tents are still. And a lot of these tents are still the ones from the late 1900s. That's really or cool. Or 1800s rather. The 19th I love century. that. Uh, and they've just been kept up and they just reuse them every year. Mm-hmm. That's how well made they were. And some of them are different themed, like you'll have your more traditional ones. And then there's one that's kind of like an 80s dance party themed tent. And so that <laughs> tent is really But like used. 80s Germany, not 80s the way that we think of 80s. Mm, more the way we think of The way Germany thought of the 80s was the Berlin Wall. The 80s was not a good time <laughs> for Germany. Okay. Uh, so it's, but it's got this huge, ridiculous beer balloon that like, spins around at the top of the tent mm-hmm. and then they play different music like there was a clip that showed them singing country roads yes and everybody in the tent had their beers and there was country roads take me home <laughs> so it's a huge celebration it's not just beer it's food they have rides festivals the whole thing is is a huge thing and the celebration always starts with the mayor tapping the keg Yep. Basically saying, let's begin in German or something like that. And then Mm -hmm. the mayor hands the beer to the minister president at the time. Okay. And that becomes like the big, all right, Oktoberfest has officially. Officially. That's like the ribbon cutting ceremony. Uh, So in 
2020, it was the first time since 1949 that Oktoberfest was canceled. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously, that wasn't really a choice. Yeah. And 1949 was obviously the end of World War II. Mm -hmm. And then it had been canceled since it started in 1810. It's been canceled 25 times. Wow. But other than that, it has run every year since 1810. Huh. I wonder what the circumstances were like the other 22 times when there was not a war or a plague going on. Uh, Well, my guess is that if they also canceled it for 1949, they probably canceled it for 1948, 1947, 1945, Mm. 1946. Yeah. And they probably canceled it during World War One as well. Mm -hmm. So my guess is a a decent chunk came from the World Wars. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then probably other plagues and sicknesses and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, And then Mm. COVID. And then COVID. And so it's the largest fall fest in the world, obviously. And that's really much it. It's just a huge celebration of of stuff like that. I, I do know that the chicken dance, which is always played at all these Oktoberfests. Oh my God, yes. They do not do that at the German Oktoberfest. That is Good. completely made up in American. <sighs> there is no so chicken ridiculous. dance in actual Oktoberfests. And I have some interesting numbers. In 2016, these are both 2016 numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they poured 7.5 million liters of beer at Oktoberfest. Holy shit, that's a lot of beer. Yep. And Munich made in 2016 1.42 billion dollars. Billion dollars from tourism for Oktoberfest from everybody wow. coming down for Oktoberfest. So it is huge for Munich. Uh, the city of Munich in terms of tourism and money and stuff like that for everybody coming down, mm-hmm. wanting to experience Oktoberfest. It looks really fun. I guess one of the other notes, cause this was like a, if you just like hints and tips when you're doing Oktoberfest, one of them was to be careful when you're drinking Oktoberfest beer, because unlike beer it elsewhere, sneak up on it's a lot stronger in Germany than it is elsewhere around the States. And it's specially made. That's cool. I had no idea. So I guess we should get to uh, what we're actually drinking today then. So as I mentioned at the top, it is brewed by Left Hand Brewing Company, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. Left Hand began in December 1990 with a home brewing kit that the brewery's founder, Dick Dorr, received from his brother. According- Was it a Mr. Beer? I don't know. <laughs> According to Dorr, quote, it was all downhill from there. (laughs) By 1993, Dorr had teamed up with his college buddy, Eric Wallace, and they resolved to start a brewery. In September of 1993, they incorporated as Indian Peaks Brewing Company um, and purchased a former meatpacking plant next to the St. Vrain River outside of downtown Longmont, Colorado. However, they soon discovered that Indian Peaks was already in use by another brewery. They soon discovered it was in use by another brewery, so the name was changed to Left Hand in honor of Chief Niwat or Niwat which is the Arapaho word for left hand, um, whose tribe wintered in the local area. But why left hand? Uh-huh. Were they left-handed? Do you always say how with your left hand? I don't remember. I don't know. But also that depends on the language I think you're speaking for Native American. Probs. 
originally. I was really hoping that Left Hand Brewery was named because of Ned Flanders and his Left Hand Emporium oh. from The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just a little disappointed. It's I'm fine. sorry. <laughs> so Left Hand's doors officially opened for business on January 22nd, 1994. Their first batch of beer was Sawtooth Ale which is just one of the beers that they took a medal home for that same year at the Great American Beer Festival. Do they still make Sawtooth? Yes. Because I was going to say, that sounds really familiar. Mm -hmm. They took home a gold in the bitters category for Sawtooth Ale, as well as a bronze um, in the robust porter category for Blackjack Porter. In 1998, Left Hand actually merged with Tabernash Brewing, effectively doubling the size of their brewery in june they began packaging 12 ounce bottles for six packs um, because up to that point they had been bottling 22 ounce bottles or kegs exclusively like damn only in colorado man yeah well anywhere that's not like crazy blue laws (laughs) you're not buying a 22 ounce bottle around here nope well i guess now you can there's a lot of those big giant yeah yeah i guess back then Back in 1994. Not so much. Nope. In November, they... um, In November, they started their own distribution business, Indian Peaks Distribution Company. Tabernash was soon phased out and Indian Peaks distribution was sold, leaving Left Hand able to focus and redirect their energy back to brewing. And focus they did because Left Hand won a... ridiculous amount of awards from both the World Beer Cup and the Great American Beer Festival consistently from the 90s up through the most recent years. Their winners are almost always Sawtooth Ale, Blackjack Porter, or their Milk Stout, um, with a few other styles thrown in there as well. Fast forward to 2011. On the first night of the Great American Beer Festival, Left Hand changed the craft beer history forever with the introduction of their Milk Stout Nitro in a bottle. Left Hand is the first American craft brewery to master the science of bottling a nitrogen beer without a widget. And two years later, they expanded the bottled Nitro series with Sawtooth Nitro and Wake Up Dead Nitro. Yeah, how do you do it without a widget? Even mm-hmm. Guinness cans, you open it up on the widgets in there. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. In 2017, Left Hand was back at it again, making history with the first ever U.S. production run of a U.S.-made Nitro widget can. Milk Stout Nitro in cans makes Left Hand's most popular and influential beer more accessible than ever. And just a fun fact about Nitro before we get to today's beer. Nitrogen is tasteless odorless, colorless, and inert. The impact of the mouthfeel and texture of the beer is what changes our flavor perception. So, like I said, today we are drinking Oktoberfest, which Left Hand says has toasted biscuity malt balanced by spicy noble hops with a clean lager finish. On the website, they say, quote, let the rich copper hues of the bright lager shine from your stein. Our Oktoberfest Marzen balances malt-driven notes of bread crust, biscuit, and toasted pretzel with just the right amount of noble hop character, culminating in a dry and spicy finish. 
deliciously repeatable. This take on the classic style is a perfect way to toast to the season of crisp air, changing leaves, and festival feasts. Roast. You had me a pretzel. Yes. And biscuity <laughs> and bread crust. I am so excited for this. <laughs> so this Mars and Lager clocks in at 6.6% ABV. It has an IBU rating of 24 and was brewed with Munich and two-row malts, as well as Apollo and Mount Hood hops. The optimal serving temperature is between 40 and 45 degrees, and it should be served in a pub glass or Oktoberfest stein. Apollo hops were first bred in 2000 by Hopsteiner and were released to the public in 2006. It is descended from Zeus and two other unnamed USDA hop varieties. Apollo tends to be quite expensive, um, but only smaller quantities are needed due to its ultra-high concentration of alpha acids. It has a sharp, clean bittering profile. Apollo is usually employed alongside aroma hops to achieve balance, but when used as a layered addition or dry hop itself, some grapefruit notes become evident. It's also a desirable hop because of its great storage stability and tolerance to disease. And then we've got Mount Hood hops. Um, so just a little bit of background. The rise of U.S. industrial brewing in the mid-1800s put a premium on European noble hops like Hallertauer, Tettnanger, and Saz. But American farmers were not able to successfully grow these hops because the terroir of the United States changed the noble hop profile, thus taking away much of what was so sought after in the European varieties. We made them nasty. <laughs> they, well, they just don't grow well in our soil. So in 1983, an Oregon State University breeding program was initiated by Dr. Alfred Howanold. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks. It's really awkward. There's a lot of vowels. Uh, with the express purpose of creating an American hybrid that had the same characteristics as the European noble hops. Mount Hood was the first hop to come out of that program, being released in 1989 and followed by Liberty, Crystal, and ultra hops over the next few years i think i'm pretty sure we still have yet to have ultra hops <laughs> they just sound they sound yeah i don't think extreme so. so mount hood was the first american hybrid hop to mirror some of the same characteristics as the european noble hops it's remarkably similar hellertau herzbrucker uh, but it retains a higher alpha acid content. Hallertau Herzbrecher? Yeah. We have not had that one, have we? I don't think so. Mount Hood went on to become the proverbial golden goose of the 1990s. As American brewers and growers took advantage of this low cost option as opposed to relying on expensive European imports. And while it has lost some popularity in favor of newer hop varieties, it's still one of the best options for a hop variety that imparts noble hop characteristics and also grows well here in the United States. Uh, so Mount Hood, as I mentioned, is similar to Hallertau Hersbrucker, bringing a clean intensity with a light sweetness that is often described as honey-like. It has a warm spice aroma and mild herbal notes like fennel and tarragon, along with floral or lemony elements as well. Ooh. So, yeah, lemony. I'm really excited for this. We should. Uh, lemony pretzel biscuits. Let's get to it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about lemony pretzel biscuits, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's going to be my new uh, phrase when I'm excited about something. Lemony pretzel biscuits. Lemony pretzel biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Time to drink it up. Yes. All right. Let's crack it. Oh, my God. Even just the smell, like, from the top of the can. I'm so excited. Oh, this is such a beautiful color. Not as much of a head as I was expecting, though. I'm going to be honest. But it's such a nice amber. Oh, it's beautiful. Very clear. Very crisp looking. It's nice dark amber. Very clear. Yep. Not too much carbonation can be seen. Yeah, not crazy. Prost. Prost. Mmm. Holy biscuity. Very biscuity. Oh my god. This is so good. Oh, I can't wait to like for all the flavors to just kind of come to me as it goes through its evolution. The biscuit is like right off the bat. But I'm also definitely getting pretzel, like distinct pretzel. In a, a the little... pretzel comes after the biscuit. Yes. But then it's definitely like <clears throat> Like when you get the pretzels, but they're not salted. Yes. Which is interesting because we've had Oktoberfest beers and Marzins Mm -hmm. where they definitely do still have like a saltiness to it. Yeah. Yeah. This beer doesn't have much saltiness to it at all. Mm -hmm. So it really does just give you this nice, smooth dough, but it's unmistakably pretzel. Yes. And then after that, it kind of like cruises out with kind of that floral and spicy hoppiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a nice hoppiness to it at the end of it. Maybe even, I mean, not in a bitter kind of way, just in a flavor kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit more hoppy than I would say most Marsins that we've had. Yeah. Without being I would agree with though. that. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the weird thing. Like you get oh, that is very strange to be so happy without being distinctly bitter as well. I mean the beer's bitter. Beer is bitter. But it's not anywhere worse than your typical lager or ale mm-hmm. would be. No, not at all. And I would even say, oh man, that's pretzely. I would it's even so say good. The sweetness, the initial sweetness you get from the biscuit mm-hmm. note, and then the fact that it tastes so much like pretzels really does kind of distract from the bitterness. Yeah. Like if you don't like beer and you drink this, you're going to just immediately go, ah, oh, it's so bitter. Yeah, that's true. It is still pretty bitter. Like I. It's still beer. In my fairly limited experience of drinking Oktoberfest beers because let's be real, like the one I drink the most is from Two Roads. Um, I think, well, I know during the fall, I always get the Oktoberfest beer during like dinner if we go out and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You are a little more exploratory. I think this year will be different for me. Like, I don't know why I haven't been more adventurous in past years considering that like the Ein... So a little bit of context, Two Roads always has basically three versions of their well, their Oktoberfest they, beer. They've gone to two, but yeah. They used to have three primarily, but the fir- the third one would sell out like in the first few hours of the first day. Yeah. Um so they have Einswein and, Tw- and 
dry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ein is one of my absolute favorite beers that Two Roads has produced. Like I look forward to Oktoberfest because I just drown myself in that beer. <laughs> <laughs> but it it definitely has a much more sweet element to it than this does. It's more malty. Than, yeah. Than better. This is more like the, what they would consider this Vi. Yes. Although last year they only had Oktoberfest beer. They didn't even have the three types. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I didn't get much of a smell before, but now there's this nice roasty kind of smell coming off the glass. Oh, see, okay. So definitely bready. For the listeners, as left hand suggested to drink in either a Stein or a pub glass. So we have both. So Mike's drinking out of the Stein. I'm drinking out of the pub glass. Mm-hmm. I'm not really getting much more of an aroma from this glass than I did just from the can. Try mine. Okay, no, yep. So I think because yours is more open. Yeah, mine has like a larger yeah. opening as it goes. That makes more sense. Yeah, these are only 12 ounce cans, so mm-hmm. I had to bust out my tiny stein. My regular can yeah. size stein. So bready, so pretzel bready. Super bready. And as it warms, I feel like it's more pretzel than biscuit. Mm-hmm. It's just like the sweetness is calming down. It's kind of switching gears. And the biscuit is going way up. Way up. I don't hate it. Not pretzels now. <laughs> Good thing we still have two in the freezer. Super pretzels! Super pretzels! And grainy mustard, of course. Seedy, it's really seedy mustard. mustard. (laughs) But I guess that makes it sound like you can't trust it. (laughs) 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 I'm picturing a, a mustard bottle with like bandit like a mask on the eye mask (laughs) it's seedy you can't trust it don't go near that don't go near that mustard (laughs) can't trust that mustard i wouldn't let that mustard babysit my kids oof god damn my beer is gone oh no well it's a good thing this came in a six-pack yay (laughs) So I guess we should talk about the can now. Yeah. Let's. It's a blue can. It's so blue. With a red band around it. Uh, So like we said before, these are 12 ounce boys, not tall boys, Mm -hmm. which is a nice change of pace as per my rant in last week's episode. Yep. The red band on the top just says seasonal, seasonal. Brewed on the ranks, brewed on the banks of the mighty St. Vrain. On the front, I mean, there's two sides of this can. I don't know what's the front and what's the back. So on one side, we'll just start with the easy one. It's a huge version of the left hand brewing company logo, which is just a hand being pointed up. It's definitely a left hand. Uh, It said left hand on the top in pretty normal blocky font. And then brewing code below it. The hand on the left hand is also red. Interesting. Below it is... The words Oktoberfest, the Oktoberfest beer logo is almost like a pretzel pretzel dough has been twisted to make each shape, which I think is really yes, cool. Yes, I love that. So it's all pretzely. 
That was my first thought when I saw the logo. I was like, it looks like twisted pretzels. <laughs> Uh, and then on the bottom it says Mars and Lager, because obviously an Oktoberfest beer is a Mars and Lager. And then on the bottom it says, there's a little white band around the bottom of the can, and it says, from our hand to yours. Ha. Get it? On the on the right-hand side of that, it says 6%, 6.6% alcohol by volume, 24 IBUs. Toasted. It, it's unusual for that to be advertised so large next large, to the alcohol by volume. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting. Props left. We hand. also haven't seen Props. the IBUs listed in anything in a long time. Yeah, I think because people don't really trust IBUs, it's really a. It's more of a, a like how you feel I, things. Are yeah, like kind a of thing. personal perception of it's bitterness. A very confusing scale. Yeah, I don't really understand the. You'd like the a bender robot <laughs> to drink beer and be like, "This has twenty-eight IBUs." Yeah, and then burp in your face. <laughs> Above that six point six percent, there's like a. Hell beast or some kind of tiger dragon with a long tongue. Right? Roaring. Like this is the only thing that I saw when I was picking it up was the tiger. And I was like, what the fuck is that tiger it mean? Makes no sense because it's the left hand. It I, ha- I don't know. It, it, yeah. Like out of context, I I have no idea what this means. And I also didn't realize that there were two different sides to the can. So nope. so it's definitely like a tiger Even thing, more which confusing. we'll get to in a minute. And then it says underneath that it says toasted biscuity malt balanced by spicy noble hops. With a clean lager finish. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the other side of the can. Left hand brewing logo is attached to the banner much in the same way the other side, but much smaller this time. The Oktoberfest logo is slightly bigger, still the twisty pretzel. But in the background, we've got a white checker background like you see in a beer hall and all the flags hanging up. And behind all the wording and stuff is this tiger beast thing with yellow eyes and he's still blue and he's got his mouth open and tongue out and there's a gold ring on his tongue for some reason. And he's just kind of like staring at you. He's mean looking, but he's not necessarily snarling because his eyes don't look mad. It's very strange. And I don't know what a tiger has to do with Germany. With Oktoberfest at all. It must be something with left hand brewing, but I, I really don't get it because it's called left hand and the hand's a hand. So I don't know why there's a tiger. Yeah. It's very blue, though, with a little bit of red. Very it's very eye catching. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I feel like the the blue checkered um, pattern is like. Symbolic of Oktoberfest. Oh, for sure. And also of every Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis video game bonus <laughs> level. <laughs> Nerd. I can definitely see like the blue and the red, especially for an Oktoberfest where they're mostly going for like yellows, oranges, browns, those kind of fall colors. Yeah. This like blue and red is going to really like you put Pop. this in the seasonal aisle with the other Oktoberfest and you're going to be like, oh, whoa, what's that? Yep. So you're going to at least look at it. I see. That's the thing, though, is that like I feel like the that blue and white checker is significant to just like german breweries or german bakeries even just long story short from a show that i was watching on hulu where it was a german bakery and they they had the same kind of checkered pattern on so i don't know if it's it's more significant to germany than just i don't know yeah i mean it's definitely like what the checker pattern it's just used all the time. Yeah, know. it's just kind of like celebratory. Yeah. 
like when we think of farmers, we think of plaid. Mm-hmm. When they do Oktoberfest, they think of the checker stripes. Yeah. Probably because table, probably because, and I'm just completely shooting in the dark here. <laughs> Tablecloths back then, I'm sure all over the world, were checker pattern. Yeah. Even when we were kids, it was mostly like, you didn't have solid tablecloths, solid yeah. color tablecloths. They were always- Red and white. Some kind of checker pattern, red and white, black and white, brown and white, brown and black, red and black. Well, I don't know what kind of- picnics you were going to but it was always red and white for me <laughs> it was always like a checker pattern of white so sometimes blue and white but it was always like that checker pattern though mm-hmm. so i feel like maybe that's where it comes from because they had the long picnic halls and picnic tables and stuff like that yeah so i would wonder if that's where it kind of started it's very likely and then obviously just to make the flags easier you cut out your tablecloths to make flags yeah i would really be interested in finding like going back to that list of like the seven or eight big breweries that have beer tents at, have always had them at Oktoberfest in yeah. Munich and seeing if any of them import into the United States, their Marzen and trying that. Ooh, oh my God. I would love that. I think that would be an interesting beer. Yes, Because please. I mean, one of my favorite beers we've done on this podcast so far is the smoked beer, obviously from the Schlenkerla. Schlenkerla, yeah. And that is... That is my, I think, one of the best beers we've found on the podcast that I've had. You're welcome. And most unique. I found that beer. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so you're welcome. I'm the one that braves the international section. I just always figure there, that there, it's going to be difficult to research. So. You mean because the entire bottle for Schoenkerl was in German? Yeah. <laughs> And I had to translate the website as well. So like. Wait till we do Zingu or whatever. Uh, I believe that is African language isn't even close to English. <laughs> at least with German, you can look at a few words and they're exactly the same as ours. Yeah, that's true. Because we're a mix of French and German for the most part. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's what I got. My beer is done. Your beer is done. Yeah. This is an empty mug club. It's a little bit of a cheeks as a 12 ounce, but I feel like because I finished it before I even got to the can description, it still counts. Yeah. Well, n- yeah, I finished mine afterwards. So this was a very good Oktoberfest. This is excellent. Super pretzely in a great way, but we've had other pretzely ones, but this is the first one that's not like a salty pretzel, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It really has a lot of baking notes to it which is really nice like yeah. in terms of like baked it's got dough. that like sweet doughy malty note like in between like the, uh, it, the evolution is just perfect is Th- that it that's all i got yeah all what, right. what else do you want from me god what else do i want i want another beer well we've got a six-pack we've got other <laughs> beers in the fridge we can keep yes. going all right so while we get ready to crack another one open <laughs> thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode and if you enjoyed it please rate it review it share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes you can follow us on crack or apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your favorite podcasts you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at crack one open or shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we always want to hear from you. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, what else you got to plug? Well, I've got audiobooks from On Audible, which is Amazon's audiobook service. So I think you can just find them on Amazon.com as well. Um, buy them, please. I don't make money unless you buy them. 
I think they lowered my commission rate on them as well, which kind of stinks. Boo. Uh, so yeah, if you could buy those books, that would be awesome. Sour, Switch Art, Fred and Gangsters, The Murder of Kelly Christopher, uh, Coffee at Midnight, Vacation Planet, The Final Girl. Uh, just buy those books. Look me up, Michael Butler. You can find me all over the place. Just listen to the sample. Make sure it's me, not some other Michael Butler, I guess. And and buy them. I've got other books coming out, hopefully. And uh, check out my other YouTube channels. I've got a channel called Ambient Frontier, where I put relaxing sounds and soundscapes up. So I started putting those out there. If you guys could watch that, that'd be great. That's Ambient Frontier on YouTube. And uh, I've started a video game channel. Unfortunately, Two Player Bros is dead. I can't take that name because on YouTube, too many people have. I wanted to turn my podcast into my old podcast into a video game uh, YouTube channel, but I can't. So it's now called This Is Like Plays. Right now, it's just a bunch of shorts. Uh, Just watch those shorts. Enter the contest if you want. I have contest links in there um, that help me out. And after that, uh, hopefully in the next week or so, you start seeing some actual videos and gameplays and you'll see my pretty face talk about video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's all she wrote, unless you just want to straight up send us money. <laughs> we cool with that, too. Yeah, exactly. We'll take it. Anyway, uh, a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. <gasps> Prost! Prost! Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes.